Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola, founder and CEO of Clever Girl Finance. And today I am super excited to share one of my good friends with you. Her name is Kaylin Chandler, and she's the founder and CEO of Effie's Paper, Stationery and Whatnot, which is a lifestyle brand that creates stationery and other products that are a unique mix of casual elegance, motivation, and social conversation that makes using them fun and engaging. Her products are carried in over 70 stores nationwide, which is a pretty big deal. And so I'm excited to have her on to share her story and business advice with all of you who are listening. Um, Kaylin is one of my cohort sisters from the business incubator that I completed earlier this year, and we become really good friends as a result. And on this episode, Kaylin shares her personal story around starting her business, including how she went from working as a lawyer at one of the biggest law firms to starting Effie's Paper, especially as she quit her job without knowing what she was going to do next. And she also shares how she figured that out. Um, she talks about her biggest challenges and successes, what it means to let go of control to run a successful business, how to stay the course on what you've planned for your business and not get distracted by the shiny object syndrome, which many of us are guilty of, and saying yes to everything versus saying no and how to deliver your no. So if you are a Clever Girl entrepreneur or an aspiring Clever Girl entrepreneur, then you want to listen to this episode. But before we dive into the conversation with Kaylin, head over to Clever Finance and check out our brand new learning platform. Yep, if you missed it, Clever All Finance is officially a learning platform and we have a ton of great courses to help guide you as you improve your finances. We are creating new courses every month from core financial topics where we talk about budgeting, saving, investing, etc. to life-related topics. For instance, we are going to be launching a new course on how to plan a wedding on a budget in addition to a ton of other life-related courses that we are currently building out. So stop by Clever All Finance and check it out. Also, you will get access to our epic, epic community who will support and encourage you as you go through the journey of improving your finances. So if you haven't already been by, stop by, check it out. Don't wait. You will definitely love what you see when you get there. Also, if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast, please do and tell your friends about it. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and now on Google Play. I don't know how this wasn't on Google Play before, but now it's on. Thank you, ladies, who told me to get it on there. <laughs> and you can also listen to episodes and watch videos on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. And don't forget to subscribe there as well. So now let's get into the episode with Kaylin. Hi, Kaylin. Hi, Bola. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited about being on. Same here. I'm excited to talk to you about all things Effie's paper and, and Kaylin and all that good stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so I'd love for you to introduce yourself and tell everybody who you are and what you do. Okay. Well, my name is Kaylin Chandler, and I am the owner and creative director of Effie's Paper, Stationery, and Whatnot. We are a lifestyle accessories company, and we believe that from the door to her desk, a woman should be surrounded by pretty things that make her heart leap. So our products are a unique mix of casual elegance, motivation, and social conversation that makes them fun and engaging. So although the company is named after my grandmother, you best believe this is not your grandmother's stationary company. <laughs> That's awesome. And I love, you have a very um, fun social media um, page and we'll share that in the show notes. 
And, um, you know, the products that you create are really beautiful. And you and I know each other because we are, we were in the same business incubator and I got to know you there, but I actually knew you several years before that without really knowing you because I, (laughs) (laughs) that's right. (laughs) I had purchased your book right after college. And I'd love for you to tell everyone what it's called. It and is called the BAP Handbook, the, the official Handbook. guide to the Black American princess. Yes. Yes. And when I got that book, you know, I had no idea I would ever meet Kaylin Chandler or Kaylin Johnson at the time. <laughs> <laughs> but lo and behold, we stumble into each other. <laughs> it was bound to happen. It was kismet. <laughs> so um, I'm excited to share with the audience listening, and I wanted you to talk a little bit about your personal story. Why did you start your business? Um, why Effie's Paper? Why stationery? What were you before? What were you doing before you started this type of business, et cetera? All the good stuff. Well, um, the short version of the story is that I am a lawyer by training, and I practiced law at a big international law firm for about 10 years. But practicing law was never my passion. I always thought I was going to use my law degree for something else. I just didn't quite know what that something else was. And I ended up segueing into fashion styling because I was the friend that everybody came to, you know, whether it was from college, my friends at work, anytime they had an event to go to or a special occasion, they wanted me to help them get dressed. And so I felt like, well, that's my passion. That's what I should translate into a business. So I left the practice of law and I made the segue. And at the time, I was planning to work with busy professionals who, you know, I knew well, I knew where they worked, I knew what their lifestyles were like because it was mine. And I was primarily focused on lawyers and working with law firms. And I had a lot of um, inroads with the people at law firms you know, kind of the HR folks who were making these sorts of decisions. But I started my business when the market tanked. And so law firms and their discretionary funds kind of went away. Mm -hmm. And I had to think really hard about what I wanted to do. And I decided I wanted to have a widget that would sell itself online while I slept. And my widget happened to be stationary. I didn't know at the time that I was choosing an antiquated widget. So, um, (laughs) that's kind of the short version of the story. And then moving forward with stationary, what I began to realize after kind of diving into this, I'd always loved stationary and had been a huge stationary connoisseur. I didn't know a whole lot about running a business, much less a product-based business. And, um, as I got into it and realized that technology was taking over and people were, Rather than sending thank you notes, people were sending text messages and emails. I realized about two and a half years ago that I needed to pivot if I was going to continue to have some kind of product-based business. Mm -hmm. And in my pivot, brought in what you see now. So what you see on our Insta feed, our website, all that good stuff now is a business that really has been around for about two and a half years. So we brought in all of the whatnot. And I had named the company originally Epi's Paper, Stationery, and Whatnot because I'd always had the intention of bringing the whatnot in. I didn't know what the whatnot was going to be. I didn't know how I was going to get there, but I wanted to give myself that opportunity and 
lo and behold, um, that kind of became our lifeline because that is what has pushed the company forward. Oh, wow. That's, that's really awesome. And you guys have to check out, um, you know, when Kaylin describes the products, you have to actually see them in person to understand what she's talking about, but they're really beautiful. And it's, you know, it's interesting that you transitioned from law to styling to stationery. And I definitely think that you have incredible style. I've reached out to you for styling advice. You have. <laughs> See, good friends do that. <laughs> but I think it's, you know, I think it's interesting the fact that you um, were following your passion each time, right? The you knew that you weren't passionate about being a lawyer, but then you you went into the styling and then you went into the stationery and that's, those are big leaps, right? Moving, mm-hmm. shifting through those different spaces. And I think a lot of people are in jobs they may not like, or they have a business idea they want to pursue and they kind of feel like, um, is that the right thing to do? Right. Should I just stay the straight and narrow and, even if I don't like this, because there's no reason why you're not, you're still not a lawyer, right? Like you're right. Not, still not actively working as a lawyer, right? You could still be doing that, right? So I certainly could. So how do you, I mean, what would you tell someone or how, what were you feeling at the time when you were making those transitions to get to where you are now? And how did you kind of allow yourself, give yourself permission to make those shifts? Well, um, I was kind of sick to my stomach, Because, I mean, to be perfectly honest, you know, because going to graduate school is a huge investment. And then I had practiced for quite a while. So, I mean, this was my career. And as much as I didn't want to think that my ego was caught up in being a lawyer and, you know, saying, you know, oh, did you see that deal on the front of the Times yesterday? I did all of the environmental transactional work associated with it. It was. And I had to just get comfortable with the fact that, okay, my ego is a bit tied up in this, but I, I do think I'm ready to segue. And for me, it, 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 a couple of things happened. Um, my now husband, then boyfriend, who also was a lawyer at a big law firm, so really understood the world that I was in and, 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 and the the amount of time and energy you have to put into a career like that and knew I wasn't happy and was like, you know, if you're not, if you're not happy doing this, this is too, your life is too short. Maybe you should think about something else. So I had that in mm-hmm. one ear. And then, um, I had a couple of really good friends who had made the leap in different ways. One of whom said to me, if you take the leap, the net will appear. Mm-hmm. But if you yeah. never, t- you know, if you never move forward or move in a different direction, you'll never know what could be. And just because you're leaping to do X does not mean that X is what you will be doing five years from now. It may be that you have to do X in order to get to Z. And, um, <laughs> excuse me, it was was those sorts of conversations that, helped me build up my confidence to get ready to leave. Because when I left the practice of law, I didn't know exactly what I was going to do. I thought it would be styling, but I really didn't know. So I left, you know, had to tell my firm, my colleagues, 
that I was leaving and I didn't have a plan. You know, it wasn't like I was going to a different firm. I wasn't starting my own firm. I wasn't moving into something kind of related like consulting. It was just a complete like, I'm out of here, peace out, and I'll let you know what I'm going to do when I figure it out. Um, And I would say the other thing that I had in my favor, and I was very lucky in this sense, is that I I had been working for a while and I was making good money. So I had saved up quite a lot of money that I knew I had a cushion. Mm-hmm. Um, what I would say to somebody today, kind of knowing what it is I know now, is that there are lots of ways to take the leap. And it might be a little bit more prudent, also depending upon how old you are, to keep your day job and carve out time during the day on the weekends during the evenings to pursue your passion so that you've got money coming in while you're figuring out how you're going to make money. And maybe for you, the leap means I get up at five and I work from five to eight on my business. And then I get dressed and I go to work and I do my nine to five or my nine to nine. And then I start over the next day. So there are lots Mm -hmm. of ways to do it. But the, the thing that you do have to make the decision about is that you're going to do it. Yeah, that's really important. And I'm glad that you, you share that story because I think, you know, we're in the age of entrepreneurship. A lot of people want to start businesses. A lot of people are, are unsure about shifting out of their full-time jobs. And like you said, it, you don't have to make a full shift out of your full-time job. You can still work your full-time job and have a part-time or even a full-time hustle, but you have to commit to putting in the effort to helping, to allowing your business to grow. Like when I first started Clever Girl Finance, I was working full-time and I was running a business full-time and it was a little crazy, but I had the bigger goal in sight. And it's just really making that commitment and being ready to put in the work, right? It's And even if, even if like you, they don't know what it is that they want to do, I think even just giving yourself that time to figure things out, right? Yep. Um, before you quit your job. And you can do that. You can come home and brainstorm and come up with ideas and even start to test things out and find the one thing that you like. Um, especially if it's like really on you that, oh my God, I don't like this job or this is not my passion. It's a great job. It's a great opportunity, but this is not my passion. Um, figure something, like start to brainstorm and figure things out. Talk to your friends, talk to people around you, ask them what you're good at and come to that place where you're like, okay, I know what I'm going to try. <laughs> Even if I don't do this forever, right. I, I can try this for the next year and see if this is the thing. Exactly. And then if not, move on to the next thing. Exactly. That's exactly right. And I know a couple of women, you know, in our online space, entrepreneurial world, in beautiful Instagram feeds, all that kind of stuff, who's you know, are running successful businesses, but who still have their day jobs. And, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't know how they balance it all. Balance it all. I think they're probably much better at managing their time than I am, but have decided that for them, it's important to keep their day jobs and they're doing both and it seems to be working out for them. So I think there are just lots of paths to and through entrepreneurship. Absolutely. Um, And I know a lot of women that do the same thing too, working full-time and working in businesses. And some people don't even ever want to make the transition because they love their jobs. Exactly. And they love their businesses and they find a way to balance. And some of them even run full-time businesses, but then they hire 
really great people to help support that business as exactly. a full-time business. And they, they kind of like are a part-time CEO. That's no. a perfect way of describing it. <laughs> and so. sometimes I feel like maybe I should have done the part-time CEO route. <laughs> but you said law was not your passion. No, <laughs> it wasn't. But, you know, I'll be, I'll be honest. Although practicing law was not my passion, having been away from it for now quite a long time, what I truly miss about practicing law is being around really, really smart people. Uh-huh, yeah. and. Um, having those puzzles to figure out. Now, when I was practicing law, because that was all I knew, I took it for granted and didn't know to know that I would miss some of that. Um, You know, the entrepreneurial world, I've met some amazing, amazing people. Don't get me wrong, but it's like the wild, wild west. You know, there, there, there aren't a whole lot of rules. You know, everybody is in the pot and, you know, who rises or who doesn't has very little to do with um, the way things work in the corporate world. It's, it's yep. just a completely different model and the rules are changing all of the time. Yep. I mean, sometimes I miss it too. I come from technology and I used to work in a space where it was about new and upcoming technology. And a lot of times I'm like, oh my God, I'm out of the tech loop. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I mean, you, you pick and choose, right? So, yes. uh, yeah. So one of the questions I like to ask my guests on here who have businesses, who are running businesses full time is, you know, around challenges and successes. Um, I don't like to, when I talk about business and have conversations, especially when I'm sharing with this incredible, clever audience, I don't like to sugarcoat the experience because... (laughs) Well, you're to the right person then. (laughs) I kind of want everybody to be prepared. It's not because I'm trying to say, oh, it's going to be hard, but it's because it is hard. And It's a great experience, but I think learning from people's challenges and their successes kind of helps you gain insight as to preparing your yourself mentally and emotionally for what you're going to be, what you could be experiencing in your own business at some point. So what have been some of your biggest challenges and also some of your biggest successes? I would say one of my biggest challenges is letting go of control. Um, because as you scale a business, you've got to bring other people in to help you run the business. And everybody's not going to do things the way that you would do them. And that's probably a good thing. But you've got to, for me at least, um, taking a step back and letting the folks I've brought in do their jobs has been tough. I think over the past six or seven months, I've probably gotten a lot better at it. I hope they would say the same thing. They may not. Um, I would, so I would say letting go of control, staying focused and not getting sidetracked by the next bright, shiny thing or object. You know, I'm sure Bola, you get emails and phone calls from, people and other businesses all the time about collaborating or have you thought about this or, you know, we'd like for you to do that. And it's very easy to get sidetracked and not stay the course on what you've planned for your business for a particular year or a particular quarter. Um, I used to fall off the the bandwagon all the time. And, um, 
began to realize, okay, you know what, this is your business. This is what you've decided you want to do for, you know, for 2017, you decided you were doing A and for 2018, you want to do B and for 2019, you want to do C. The only way you can get to C in 2019 is if you stay on course with B in 2018. And so while this seems like it could be a really great opportunity, it might not be the best opportunity for you now. And if it's for you, then you'll, it'll come back to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so those have been my, I would say my biggest challenges. I would say what I count as some of my biggest successes are that I've been able to create products and a brand that resonates with others. And so we've built up a really loyal following of women, you know, primarily millennials, but, you know, a, a bunch on either side of that number, <laughs> excuse me, or that, um, cohort, I guess. And I would say my other success or for me, what has been a success is that two years ago when I was sort of faced with, do I pivot or do I close this business because stationary is not selling in the way that it had been, that we were able to pivot. And now the products that I design are and have manufactured are in 70 stores and boutiques across the country. So in addition to us selling online B2C, we also sell our products wholesale and that business has grown tremendously in the past two years. And I'm really proud of that. That's incredible. <laughs> 70 stores, that's a big deal. It's a lot. I mean, it's, it's a hustle. It is a hustle, but it, the hustle is, is beginning to pay off. Yeah, but it, it just takes time and effort. And at some point, something has to give. When you're putting all this effort and you're making the conscious effort to do things right and you're adjusting and pivoting as needed, it's just, it's inevitable. It's a, ma- it's a matter of time. Um, <laughs> I, I like I, to say it's a numbers game. It is a numbers game, to be honest. And going back to when you talked about your challenges, I can definitely relate to the shiny, shiny syndrome, shiny object mm-hmm. syndrome. Yeah, whatever you called it. <laughs> I can relate to that. Um, I felt like, so the first year I worked full-time in my business, which was last year. Yeah. So last year, maybe a little, a year and some months, mm-hmm. um, I was like, okay, I kind of read Shonda Rhimes' book. I'm like, this is going to be my year of yes. I'm going <laughs> to... <laughs> I'm going to try new things. I'm going to try all collaborations. I'm not going to say no to anything because you never know where you might dive or connect or where breaks can happen and things like that. So I did say yes to everything. And what that made me understand was that um, there's some things I hate doing, things that don't work for me. And there's some things that did not serve my purpose. People will try to take advantage of you because you're saying yes. Mm -hmm. And so I took all all those lessons. And then this past year has been my year of hell no, which means (laughs) (laughs) I say no a lot of the time. In fact, majority of the time, it's not going to serve me. It's not going to work for my schedule. It's going to take advantage of me. It's not a good use of my time. I say no, but I only could get to that place of saying no by saying yes so much to learn what didn't serve me. And saying yes so much was just, again, me chasing every shiny thing. Oh my God. Yes. Yes. That sounds cool. Yes. Interesting. Yes. No. So now I'm like, (laughs) no. But it does help you hone in on what it is that's important to you and what you want to do with your business. Yeah. 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 Like it helped me really get firm in my non-negotiables and I was kind of wishy-washy around them, even 
into earlier this year, there was a some that was like, oh, maybe I'll try it. And then I tried, I was like, oh, this is definitely a heck no, because I know <laughs> this should have been a no before I said yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and what that has done for me is that it has helped me really get clear on the things that I, that I know I want to say yes to, right? And focusing on get on those things has allowed me to attract or find more of those things, right? Um, so I get it. I, I've been there. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I think that's part of the entrepreneurial journey. Yeah, you have to try things. I'm not saying, ladies, I'm not saying go now and start saying no to everybody. I'm saying as you're saying the yeses, start to understand what's working for you, what's not working for you, what's beneficial, what's a good use of your time. And as you start to learn these things, don't be afraid to start saying no if those things don't serve your business and they don't serve your purpose. And And say no nicely. Say no nicely. And and be strategic because... A no in 2018 could turn into a, a yes in 2019. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you don't want to burn any bridges. No. It, yeah. No, no bridge burning because you never <laughs> know. I'll tell you so many things have come back to me full circle from even people I used to work with. Now that I'm doing a lot of networking, people I used to work with back in my tech career that mm-hmm. are in different positions in business now and entrepreneurship now that I'm connecting with again. Imagine if I had been some nasty employee or (laughs) consultant at the time and they met me again in the meeting room, like how weird would that be? So yeah, definitely no burning bridges. (laughs) Yeah. Cause you just, you never know. And, and just as somebody is reaching out to you this year, asking you, you know, would you be interested in, you may find yourself six months from now or a year from now going to them and saying, Hey, would you be interested in, now you might get a soft no or a hard no, but you want to be able to ask that question if, in fact, you need to. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I did to kind of help with saying the no, because, you know, sometimes when you say no to people, they're good at <laughs> getting you to change your mind or to convince you. There are people just really good salespeople, good speakers and things like that. And they'll, turn, they'll have you turning your no into a yes without you even realizing, re- realizing it until you get to the point where you're like, oh my God, I meant for that to be no. How did I get sucked into that? <laughs> so what I did is I put a buffer in between me. So once I know it's going to be a no, I tell my employee, oh, hi. You know, there's that email. There's that phone call. Just kill them with kindness. But the yes, answer is no. That is our motto. <laughs> <laughs> and having somebody else deliver the message makes it, easier for you. And I think it also helps the, the person asking to understand like, okay, they're not interested right now because she's not even talking to me. In a nice way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, totally in a nice way. I mean, and look, we've all, we've been, all been on the receiving end of that as well. Yeah. I work. get told no all the time. Yeah. In fact, every day I get a no. So, you know, <laughs> I'm immune to no at this point. Like you have to be. Yeah. You get, you, don't be disappointed by getting a no, ladies. You will get a lot of no's. That's life. That is life. So, Kaylin, what is when it comes to being a woman successful in business? You have your products at seventy stores. You have a great social media presence. um, People who work for you, etc. Now that you've made this progress in your business, and there are other women who are following in your footsteps, what would you say one of the biggest things, biggest issues holding women back from being successful in business is? Uh, I think it's self-confidence and, you know, let's be honest, depending on what day you talk to me, I I may not be feeling particularly confident about decisions I've made or, 
um, the direction we're heading in because it's a lot. It's a lot to think about and juggle, and there are many moving pieces to to put into place. But I think the thing that holds us back generally is self-confidence, and it plays itself out in many ways. You know, there have been so many studies on the fact that women consistently undersell themselves and their services mm-hmm. and are always willing to give a break or reduce the price. And people worry, well, if I don't, then, you know, that business might not come back or they may choose to go with somebody else. Well, then let them choose to go with somebody else. Yep. (laughs) You know, I mean, that just, because at the end of the day, we're all trying to make money and you can't make money if you are constantly giving discounts to people because then people will always expect you to give them a discount and it devalues you and what you do and what you're, you know, the products or the service you're providing. So to me, that's one of our biggest issues. Mm-hmm. And I see that a lot, you know, it's, it's even when I first started my business and in prior businesses, thinking back to when I had my photography business, like I remember, oh my God, who am I to charge somebody $5,000 to photograph their wedding in the early stages? But mm-hmm. then I started to realize that as my work started getting a lot better, like really good, um, people started to take advantage of that. And mm-hmm. one of the things I recognized was that once I started getting a ton of demand, I realized I was charging too little. Yeah. So even if you're not, if you're not sure, okay, do I increase my prices? Do I not increase my prices? Do I charge more? Do I not take a look at demand? Right. And see if, if everybody is coming to you, like this is a sale, like a, you know, huge <laughs> like sample sale thing. going on, yeah. <laughs> girl, you need to increase your prices. <laughs> Absolutely. Today. <laughs> and look, having had a service business, some of what you need to do, and I know you did this with your photography business, is you're learning on your feet and you're learning yeah. with some of your clients. And so you don't want to charge folks an arm and a leg while you're still learning. But mm-hmm. once you've figured out what it is you're doing and you've got a system and it's working, by all means, you need to increase your price point to be competitive. Because otherwise, you're, you're, you're doing all of this hard work and you're not reaping the benefit and you're not getting the ROI in the way that you should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, something to think about, you know, and you, you may think that the other thing, I think the flip side of this is that maybe you're in a business and you're like, oh my God, I should be charging so much more. But like you said, Kaylin, if you're in the space where you're still learning things, right? And you know that, okay, this could, this needs a little bit more improvement. This needs a little bit more work. It's okay to wait until you get to that place, right? Because at the end of the day, the people who are paying you have to see the value in what they're paying for, right? And they'll, once you, you start to get the indication of it, you'll start to know your stuff is good because they'll give you that feedback. And that's one time where you can say, okay, um, okay, I'm going to increase my prices. People are pretty honest these days. They'll tell you, you know what? I bought that product and it was crap. I overpaid. It was too expensive. We've all done that. <laughs> we have. We have. And, you know, um, it's, it's, yes, people will let you know in many different ways. And I, I think the best way for me has been word of mouth. So with my styling business, I, I only worked by referral. Mm-hmm. And so initially I didn't have a bunch of clients, but as time went on and I perfected what it is that I was doing, I was in a position where I could turn people down. And that's kind of the best position you want to be in. I would imagine the same thing happened with you and your photography business because there's only one of you. So you can only do so many weddings, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> um, and for Effie's paper, what we've learned is that the biggest compliment a customer can give us is to make, you know, come back a second time or a third time and not only buy products for themselves, but buy products for their friends and family as gifts that they're giving for birthdays or holidays. Um, you know, and in their little notes to us, they'll say things like, you know, I bought such and such and I really loved it. And I wanted my mom to have it and my friend and this, that, and the other, that's the best compliment I can get. Cause that lets me know we're doing something right. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's really important. Um, people will tell you, yeah. And then, you know, because they, when they come back, they want more, they want to tell you how your product helped them in, you know, in their life or with whatever they were, whoever they gave it to are so happy about it. So, yeah. So, um, what would be your number one business tip that you would give another woman in business? <laughs> You know, um, this is not a tip that I got. I wish that I had. My, my biggest tip is to find an accountability partner or two. Um, you want to have someone who is not working in your business. You want to have someone who is not your significant other or best friend that you can talk to your business about they don't necessarily need to have the same kind of business. They probably should not have the same kind of business because then they can think about your business or bring things to you about your business that you can't see or don't even know to think about because you're so in the weeds. But an accountability partner can really help to keep you on the straight and narrow. They can be a cheerleader for you, but also a voice of reason. Because as an entrepreneur, you are in your own head. And you daily are hitting the ground running. You've got your to-do list. You know what you got to do. You've got meetings. You've got this. You've got that. You got to, you know, you're taking care of business. Um, and it is very easy not to think strategically about your business because you're so in the weeds on a regular basis. If you have an accountability partner or group, whether it's an informal thing or a more formal structure, that can make all the difference in your business. When I was pivoting about two and a half, three years ago now, so I, you know, I kind of had this idea that I needed to pivot and then it took about six to eight months to do the pivot before we actually got to the point where we had whatnots to sell. I'd met a woman at some networking event and for whatever reason, she decided she liked me and she was going to be my friend. And I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. Anyway, I got to know this woman quite well. She ended up becoming my accountability partner. And she had a left brain for my right brain. And she was like, look, I know you like to make everything pretty. Everything you do is pretty. That's <laughs> great. We got to get some numbers behind pretty. So let's figure out what it's going to cost us to make this pretty. And it was, it was just what I needed at that point in time. Now, conversely, for her business, she was more of a tech person. And so she could get the back end of a website built. She could get an app built. But they were so unattractive that she couldn't get them sold. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, well, I can make them pretty. <laughs> and so it, just, it was a good pairing for the time that it lasted. And I, I, I definitely have to credit her with helping me to begin to think about my business in a very different way. I, yeah. The accountability partner is, um, 
important. I think it's really important. I have different people I talk to about different business things. Um, but I, you know, I would caution people listening <laughs> that when you're picking the accountability, accountability partner, right, you want to make sure that it's someone that is um, in the same mental space and someone yeah, who's willing important. to put in the same amount of commitment as you are. Um, you know, when I first started this business, Clever Girl Finance, I started with a lot of people who were starting businesses. I think I can count two other people who are still in business today. Mm. And, you know, it's not that there's anything wrong with them not being in business. People go through different shifts in their life. They test things out. Maybe those are not the businesses for them. Things happen. I've started businesses that I've closed because, you know, different reasons. Mm -hmm. But it's also important that when those people are going through those transitions and making those decisions, that you're mindful of how the decisions they're making affect you, who is kind of, you know that, okay, this is the business I want to build and this is working for me. Because when someone starts to say, oh my God, business is not for me. This is not working <laughs> out. Wasting my time. I want to be hanging out with my friends or, you know, like just random comments, right? You may be thinking, oh, you know what? I should just take it easier. I, you know, I can relate to what she's seeing because we can, there's, we will always find ways to relate to what other people are going through, especially for doing something similar. So be mindful of that, right? Because if something's not working out that well for someone you know, and that person is your accountability partner, you don't want decisions they're making to shift to affect you when you know that you are not ready to shift. That's my I, I think sense. that's, I think that's very well said. I mean, I, I guess what I should have started out by saying is that, um, you have to be strategic in who you choose. I was just in a situation where this woman was strategic and she chose me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, it was one of those where she was like, oh no, we were in that seminar together and I was really impressed with your presentation and what you're doing and how you're thinking about things. And let me tell you more about me. So it wasn't, you know, it, I, I agree. You do have to be very strategic because otherwise you could end up wasting good and valuable time. And it's okay to have multiple partners. It's okay to know that you can be an accountability partner with somebody for a season. It's okay to outgrow partners. It's, you know, there, you may need someone to support you and they may need you to support them for a specific period of time, for a specific period of months, or maybe, you know, your business starts going in a completely different direction and you need someone who has insights or expertise in that other direction. So don't feel like if you're, if you are in an accountability partnership and it's not working out that it's just not meant for you. Maybe you just need to find an additional person or a different person. Exactly. So Kaylin, what would you say is your number one financial tip for women in business? Because you know I have to ask you that. (laughs) (laughs) Hire a bookkeeper from the get-go. Have somebody helping you with your daily numbers. One, you need to be focused on your daily numbers. But have somebody helping you with your daily numbers from the beginning so that as your business grows... Your taxes, your payroll, your um, various monies, you know where they're going. You've got somebody helping you keep track of everything. And I'll say for myself, who I don't have a financial background, the part that I love the least is running numbers and making charts but it's a part of business and it's a salient part of business. And if you can't get your arms around it, 
bring somebody in who can help you get your arms around it. So to me, it's bringing somebody in from the get-go who whose sole purpose is to be focused on that. Mm-hmm. That's great advice. You know, and if you're just starting out and you don't have the budget to hire someone, then you can start with a simple spreadsheet. You will get to the point where you are grow the spreadsheet. And then maybe you can start with a paid tool like a QuickBooks or, you know, one of those tools that can or get you organized and create reports so you can see your big picture financially. And then once you start bringing more money, you could start to hire, you know, a bookkeeper that you talk to once a month or once a quarter. Um, and they're actually not as expensive as you think. So once you, the, the minute you start to get even minutely overwhelmed with your numbers, it's time to bring somebody in. And for someone, like you said, for someone who's starting a business, you need to get on your numbers from day one, starting with your startup costs, starting with yes. understanding how much is it going to cost me to open this business? To yes. be day one of XYZ business, what is the cost to get to that day one? You need to know those numbers. I can't tell you how many people I talk to and I say, okay, so you started this business, but what is your break-even number? How much do you need to make immediately ASAP to break even on the initial investment you put into this business? And a lot of people can answer that just question. don't know. Yeah. And it's just really knowing how much did I spend starting up this business? Because that's my first benchmark as to how much I need to make to break even, Recoup right? Costs. Yeah. Recoup the cost. So not as complicated, but for any reason you feel minutely overwhelmed, then you don't even have to hire someone on a consistent basis if you, if you don't have the budget, but schedule a session with a bookkeeper and say, hey, this is where I am. Can you help me set up something that I can track? And then I can come back to you in a few months to help me double check. Simple, yeah, and great there advice. are also a bunch of apps out there too that you can use. Yeah. That, you know, I don't know, maybe they're 15 bucks a month, but it, there, there's a lot out there. And it's, it's worth paying attention to. Yeah. Great advice. <laughs> and um, I guess I will, I will ask you, um, you know, what are your business goals for the next few years? Where do you see yourself? Within the next year, my main goal is for us to get into a major retailer. And that's what we're working towards. And I would say sort of my five-year or my long-term goal is for us to land a licensing deal with a major retailer, meaning that, you know, I would be in a position where I'm doing the designing of product and they are manufacturing the product, but it's under Effie's paper or Effie's paper stationery and whatnot. I can totally see that happening. Well, you got to put it out there, right? So from your lips to God's ears, Bola. (laughs) So Kaylin, what is your Clever Girl superpower? I would say my Clever Girl superpower is that um, I am a fairy godmother to many. And um, for me, what that means is I have a bunch of people in my life from friends, family members, teenagers who um, it's just important to me to make sure they feel good about themselves. And so I kind of do what fairy godmothers do. I show up unexpectedly. I may send you something in the mail. I may um, just check in to see how things are going on a day when things aren't going so well. I had ladies as I was coming up who did that for me, kind of in all walks from all walks of life. And it always made me feel good. And I like to do that for other people. And that's always nice for people to, you know, get that support. 
Yeah. When they, you know, yeah, that's really nice. Oh, I like that. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been great, Kayla. And I'd love for you to tell everybody where they can find you, where they can learn more about Effie's paper and kind of keep up with you. Well, you can find us online at effiespaper.com. On Instagram, we're at Effie's Paper, and that's E F as in Frank, F as in Frank, I E S as in Sam, paper. Um, and, you know, we would love for y'all to join our tribe. Yeah, and she has, you have a really cool, fun IG page. You guys should check it out. <laughs> I think it's fun. Glad you do too. So thank you so much, Kaylin. This has been awesome. I appreciate, appreciate you coming on to share your amazingness with everyone. Oh, thank you, Bola. I certainly appreciate you having me on. This has been great. So I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode with Kaylin. She shared some really great business tips and I enjoyed talking to her. If you loved what you listened to, please subscribe to this podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Google Play, and you can also listen to episodes and watch videos on the Clever Girl Finance YouTube channel. I'll talk to you guys on the next episode.